Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Eurodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Eurogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Welcome back to the SUFU podcast. Today we're featuring our FPMRS Fellowship Series, and I'm here with Dr. Gary Lamack, who's going to tell us a little bit about the UT Southwestern Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. Welcome back to the podcast, actually. Very delighted to be here. Uh, So tell us a little bit about the fellowship. So we are a two-year fellowship for urology applicants only. Uh, we do have interactions with the GYN fellowship. They also have a fellowship at UT Southwestern that's separate. That's a three-year fellowship, but we do interact with them quite a bit during the course of the fellowships and, of course, uh, have other electives. But primarily, we're at our main flagship hospital, um, Clemens University Hospital at UT Southwestern. Great. And how many faculty are there in the program? So we have three core urology faculty, myself, Dr. Carmel, who's now the program director, and Dr. Philippe Zimmern, who started the fellowship uh, close to 20 years or so ago. Um, And then, of course, we have other core faculty members outside of urology, including uh, several on the GYN side, um, our FPMRS colleagues, and we have outstanding FPMRS colleagues and colorectal colleagues as well. Great. And so tell us a little bit about the rotations that the the fellows go on. So on average, I would say we have... uh, uh, Probably overall, about 50% of the 24 months are spent on urology uh, with myself, Dr. Carmel, and Dr. Zimmern, typically focusing on either any one of our practices, but there is certainly overlap when uh, cases, when those come up, of course. Um, In addition to that, we generally have one to two months of specifically urogyne rotations where you're exclusively on their service and you don't have any urology responsibilities whatsoever. Uh, and then rotate rotations on uh, pelvic on PM and R. So we have an outstanding PM and R physician who focuses only on the pelvic floor, Dr. Kelly Scott, and I think that's an immense learning opportunity. And then colorectal uh, uh, opportunities as well. In addition, we have electives, and that's certainly up to the fellow. So that may be on radiology, that may be in dermatology, that may be in other areas. We certainly make it flexible enough that you can do something that uh, pertains to your future practice. And how would you break down the exposure of fellows to the different kind of subsets of FPMRS, like, uh, you know, for prolapse, incontinence, neurogenic bladder, and then specifically often people want to know the breakdown of robotics versus vaginal cases and things like that? Yeah, I think the nice thing about our practice, uh, and, you know, perhaps others too, but certainly our practice, is that we, we all have very, very different practices. So, for example, Dr. Carmel um, has a fa- practice very um, uh, typical of FPMRS, but very heavy in, in prolapse uh, and robotics, and that's really an area of expertise in that she's, uh, she's an amazing surgeon. Um, so the robotic experience with her is, is incredible, including vaginal procedures as well for incontinence prolapse. Dr. Zimmern um, has probably gained the most notoriety recently for uh, issues related to mesh complications and so forth, but an outstanding vaginal technical surgeon. Um, so really that's tremendous. And my practice is a bit more mixed. I would say a lot of vaginal procedures uh, for incontinence and um, in complex OAB, uh, but a lot of neurogenic bladder. That's probably where most of my uh, clinical practice has uh, gone to. So I think the, the appeal is that for somebody who maybe has interest in these various areas, it really gives you exposure to all three. Great. And then uh, are there um, any exposure to male reconstruction or things of that nature? Sure. I think the nice thing about the way this has played out a little bit with the FMS fellowships is that there definitely is more flexibility now uh, in allowing some of those male recons. So we're fortunate enough to have Dr. Alan Morey 
on our faculty, and he has a fellowship and uh, is very active, uh, but uh, we've certainly had experiences where our fellows uh, are a part of his uh, practice and rotating with him for, for two to four weeks at a time as well, depending on, on, uh, on what's going on with his fellows too. So there's opportunities there, of course, to be involved as much as, as we can. Great. And then as far as the outpatient experience, can you talk a little bit about the clinic exposure and what, resin- what fellows are doing in clinic? Yeah, so they're um, uh, in our clinics uh, seeing our patients, our new patients, our follow-up patients that are doing procedures covering urodynamics and the video urodynamics and so forth. So hopefully getting the full breadth of our outpatient practices. And and as we all know, that's a big part of our our practices after we're, you know, when we're actually in practice. So that's probably 60 to 70% of our practices. So I think um, they're definitely getting a wide exposure, no doubt. Great. And then could you talk a little bit about the research experience and what kind of support there is and if there's any requirements? Sure. And I did fail to mention that in terms of the rotations, that we do have some dedicated months to research only. Um, We don't have a core block of three or six months or even a year that perhaps some do. Uh, We have isolated uh, months where, um, for example, before the AUA or before SUFU, where uh, the fellows typically will have uh, months uh, completely for research only. Um, and of course, if, if interesting clinical cases come up, we don't. Uh, it doesn't mean that they can't participate in those. As far as requirements go, there's no specific requirements. Um, just an interest. We want people who are interested in learning, interested in education, interested in research, and we do have support in terms of uh, statistical support available for those who need it. Excellent. And are there any call requirements for the fellows? No call. Excellent. And uh, where have your past fellows gone into practice? Well, funny you mentioned that. So um, someone named Dr. Rena Malik uh, finished fellowship uh, a year or so ago and has been in practice at the University of Maryland. Our most recent fellow, Dr. Deborah Hess, just finished her fellowship and she's in private practice in North Carolina. Um, so I would say it's about a 50-50 mix overall, whether our, our folks are in academics or in private practice. Right. <laughs> so um, what do you think the biggest strength that UT Southwestern is? Um... Uh, let's see. Okay, what's the biggest strength? Uh, well, in all honesty, I think it is um, exposure to a very different ways of thinking, approaching similar problems, and and seeing you know what's the you know what appeals to you the most. So you'll you'll definitely have different views on approach to similar problems, and I think that's a really good way for you to figure out what works for you the best. And if you're just hand-fed the same thing every time, then you're not really thinking independently. And I think this does allow you to say, well, what works for my practice? And then, again, because of the variety of things that you see, you might kind of get a better flavor for the kind of practice you want. Great. And is there anything that's actively changing or you foresee changing in the near future? No, I don't uh, see anything changing with our fellowship. We have a very big residency program, too. And so sometimes that's something that's on residence mind as they're applying for fellowships. But we have... I think five active fellowships at UT Southwestern, and so the interaction between the fellows and the residents at our place has been longstanding and, and goes over very well. So there is a number of opportunities also for the fellows to interact with the residents and teach residents, and I think that you know is a big plus of the program too. But in terms of changes, I don't see any coming. Okay, and then for those who have never been to uh, the Lone Star State, could you tell them a little bit about what it's like to live in Dallas? Uh, yeehaw. Um, so I, you know, I, yeah, I could say this and, um, I was, I grew up in Boston and, and went to med school in New York and residency in New York and then went to Dallas and been there ever since. Uh, and so I've seen a lot of changes over the last, you know, 20, 22 years. Um, it's, it's more cosmopolitan than you might think if you haven't been to 
Dallas or Texas, it's more a mix. It's it's more culturally diverse than you might think as from the outside looking in. And and the food scene's amazing. The uh, brewery scene is amazing. Dr. Mal can attest to that. And um, I think uh, honestly, and there's no state taxes, so that's all good too. So um, it's a great place to live, especially as a fellow where you know you're going to have no call responsibilities, and there's a lot to see and do. And we, we're we're very blessed there. Yeah, so I'll add my little two cents, and I am biased, obviously, since I went Teachers at the Western, but I uh, think that actually the best thing for me was the relationship that I was able to develop with uh, three the three faculty there. Um, they are close friends. They are like family. I call them all the time. I talk to them all the time, and uh, I foresee that happening many years into the future, and I'm really, really thankful for it. But thanks so much, Dr. Lamack. It was a pleasure to have you back on. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SufuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.